Well, amen. It is always great to be reminded that Christ will hold us fast. And we have been walking as a church, we've been walking through the articles of faith, and we have found ourselves in article of faith number seven. If you're visiting with us, this is a wonderful time to be visiting. We have been walking through the articles of faith as a church. These articles of faith were written. Uh, on November 7, 1835, that is the day that East Aboga Baptist Church was founded, and uh, we recently found those articles of faith, and we've been preaching through those. Uh, if you'd like to see the original copy or writing of those articles of faith, uh, it's right up here on the front, my left, your right, and you can see that. But we're walking through these articles of faith, and uh, we are in article of faith number seven, and so you can see that in your worship guide, so let's read it. Uh, together. It says this, we believe that God's elect are called, regenerated, and born again, and that they will never fall away, but be effectually saved, being kept by the power of God through faith until salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. Uh, We've been walking through these articles in of course, we started with the Trinity, and we've worked our way through uh, what salvation is and how it works, and, and so now we find ourselves of what, what it looks like after we're saved, with, where we're regenerated, called, born again, and then we are effectually saved that we'll never fall away. The question is, what happens when you're saved? What happens after you're a Christian? You pray and you repent of your sins and you trust in Christ as your Lord as the scriptures say what happens after that what happens pastor Mike that when I become a Christian what happens when I sin after I'm saved what happens when I sin do I lose that salvation do I need to be saved again do I need to be reborn again do I need to be baptized again when I was in high school, uh, I was sitting in the bleachers one day during PE uh, because that's what we often found ourselves doing in physical education on the bleachers. I didn't ever understood that, uh, but we were on the bleachers. And I began to talk to this girl beside me uh, who, uh, from the fruits of her life, did not look like she was a Christian. And so <clears throat> I decided today was a good day for me to tell her about Jesus. And so I did, and I told her about Christ, and I didn't feel like I know a whole lot about Jesus, but I knew what he did for me, and I knew that I was once lost, but now I'm found, and I was blind, but now I see that Christ saved me from my sin. So I began to tell her about that. She said, oh, oh, Michael, no, I already know. I've been saved eight times. I know about that. I know about Jesus. (laughs) And I thought, oh, wait a minute. You've been saved eight times? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been saved eight times. I'm okay. I'm good. And I said, well, uh, I hate to tell you this, but I I feel like if you've been saved eight times, you haven't been saved at all. I'm not the one to tell you that, but we might need to reevaluate this, okay? I can tell you this. Not just from my wisdom, because I don't have much. I have a whole lot more energy than wisdom. Amen to that. I can, oh, Angie, thank you, sir. <laughs> I appreciate that. 
Uh, it's true, though. I understand it. Uh, that just came out. You couldn't even stop it. <clears throat> but here's what I do know. I do know that the Bible teaches that once you're saved, you're saved. Amen? That once Christ forgives you of your sin, there's no need to be reborn again. That What, what you're saying is that God wasn't good enough the first time. That he wasn't powerful enough to save you the first time. And so we're going to talk about that. But the first of this article of faith says, We believe that God's elect are called, they're regenerated, they're born again, and that they'll never fall away. Well, first we looked at the elect. We won't go very far in talking about the elect because we've already covered that. If you want to go online to our website, istaboga.org, you can see or not see, but you can hear the messages on the election, the doctrine of the election. But we must believe and trust in the doctrine of election, one, because the Bible says so. It talks about the elect, uh, those that he uh, predestined, he foreknew. God talks about the election. Uh, We must know and believe that God foreknew what would happen Uh, All of us believe that God knew exactly who would be saved for all eternity. Uh, You believe that, right? Well, that's just called the election. Don't run from the word. People are scared of that word, especially Baptists. Baptists get nervous about that word election. Uh, It's the same thing of saying, well, God foreknew. He knew who would be saved and who would not be saved in God's sovereignty. Listen. When Jesus said, though I go and prepare a place for you, okay, I believe that God has already prepared a place for all people that would be saved in all the world for all eternity. You understand that? I don't think for one second that there is a a happy heavens contracting company in heaven that every time somebody's saved, God says, oh, well, there's another one. Let's go build another room onto our house. Jesus, uh, the mansion will. Well, we got some property over here. Let's build another mansion over here. Oh, somebody else got saved at East Taboga this morning. Let's go build another uh, part of the house uh, onto our mansion. No, that's not what God's doing when Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. I believe, and the Bible is true, that he's already prepared a place for all people who would ever be saved. There's, you can't tell me God's sitting on a throne going, well, I wonder if somebody's going to get saved today because I really want to sling a hammer. <clears throat> I really want to build an extra room on this house. Have you ever seen a house or a building that people just kept adding on to? Does it look good? No, it don't look good. It leaks probably. <laughs> it probably leaks, has some foundation issues. It doesn't look good. And I just believe that what God's built looks good and it looks great. I just don't think God's up there uh, adding on to the house or these mansions that we feel like we're going to get from these surprise salvations. God knows. He already knows. He's always known. That doesn't take uh, our responsibilities out. It just says God knows. Well, it says the elect. We believe the elect. And it says four things uh, of the elect. One, we believe that God's elect are called. They're called. Called by who? Well, they're called by God. If you'll turn to Romans chapter 8. We've read this verse before. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 30. 
in Romans chapter 8, verse 30, we see where the elect are called, that God calls us. It says, in those he predestined, he what? He also called. Who called? God called. Those he predestined, which he knew ahead of time, he called. And look at this. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And so the Bible's teaching us that God calls. Uh, God is the one uh, that is calling. You turn to John chapter 6. If you'll turn to the left, John chapter 6. We read the same language in John chapter 6. In verse 44, it says, No one can come to me, Jesus, unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. This drawing is God calling. This is what we are doing when we share the gospel. The gospel is a God call to repentance. It is God summoning you and me to repenting and to salvation. This calling is an act of God. If you want a definition of gospel call, it is this. It is an act of God speaking through the human proclamation of the gospel in which he summons people to himself in such a way that they respond in saving faith. That they respond in saving faith. It's an act of God. How does he do it? Speaking through human proclamation of the gospel. This is why you and, I, you and I have the great command to go and make disciples of all nations, being witnesses of the Holy Spirit, meaning preach the gospel. How will they know unless they what? Hear. And how will they hear unless they are sent? You have to be sent out preaching the gospel. So God calls people to salvation through human proclamation of the gospel. So for those that says, well, if there are the elect and we're predestined and all this is worked out, we shouldn't have to go out and evangelize and spread the gospel. No, that's false. That is against the scriptures. The Bible teaches us to go and proclaim the gospel. Why? Because God wants to use you. And God wants to use me. And God wants to use doctors and all of those in the mission field that are going all around the world to spread the gospel. It's an act of God speaking through human proclamation. It is God calling. What is he calling? According to 1 Peter 2.9, he calls people out of darkness and into marvelous light. According to 1 Thessalonians 2.12, he calls people into his own kingdom and glory. 1 Corinthians 1.9, he calls us into the fellowship with his son. Romans 1.6, those who are called by God, quote, belong to Jesus Christ. Romans 1.7, those who are called are called to be saints. 1 Corinthians 7.15, we are called to a realm of peace. Galatians 5.13, we are called to freedom. Ephesians 1.18, we're called to hope. 1 Thessalonians 4.7, we're called to holiness. 1 Peter 2.12, we're called to patient endurance of suffering. And praise God, 1 Timothy 6.12, we're called to eternal life. God calls us nowhere in the scriptures, nowhere in the scriptures we've just read and nowhere in all the scriptures or anywhere else do we have a human calling to our own salvation. 
You cannot call yourself out of darkness and into marvelous light. You cannot do that. I cannot do that for you. You cannot call yourself into God's kingdom and glory. You cannot call yourself into fellowship with the Son, belonging to Christ, and becoming a saint. You cannot call yourself to peace, freedom, hope, holiness, patience, and eternal life. No powerless human can make that kind of call. Only God can. Amen? Only God can call us into salvation. This is why we preach Christ crucified. Because God calls people. God calls us to holiness. God calls us unto salvation. This calling is a summons to the king. It's a summons to the Lord. We also get the idea of a guarantee that if God calls, you'll be saved. Paul says, those who are called were what? They were justified. Praise be to God that those he calls, he saves. Amen? That those God calls from marvelous to light into peace, into fellowship with the Son, into his own glory and kingdom, those God calls are saved. They are effectually saved. Praise the Lord for that. And we trust in that. That's why the gospel message, that's what it does when we preach it. It summons people. It calls people unto salvation. So God's elect are called. Number two, God's elect are regenerated. Not only are we called, but the result of that calling is that we are regenerated. This term regenerated means an act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life to us. It's an act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life to us. In John 1.13, when John talks of those to whom Christ gave power to become children of God, he says this, They were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He says they were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, and not of the will of man, but they were born of God. Children of God are born of God. They're regenerated. You're born again, as we'll see in just a moment. We're born of God and not our own human will. We cannot bring that kind of birth. We are totally uh, indebted and trusting in God that when He calls us, He summons us with the gospel. That those who are called are justified, you are regenerated. And that God, we are born of him, not of man. Number three, God's elect are born again. I'm not spending a lot of time on these because we've already spent time on these previously in other articles of faith. So I don't want to spend a ton of time on these. I want to get to the last one. God's elect are born again. This is the term that we use often in the Baptist church. The term born again is a moment in the, person, in the person's life where they become a new creation. Turn to John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, we read uh, this story. John chapter 3, starting in verse 3. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. 
can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? It's a great question. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus says you must be born again. And unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now listen, I often deal with people and families who deal with death. And I often deal with people and families who deal with those that have, that have passed on that in zero way that I could tell had any fruits of the Spirit at all. There is no evidence in their life that they're saved, that they're going to heaven. But somehow... We like to try to convince ourselves that no matter what, everybody's going to heaven. Well, let me tell you this. Not everybody is going to heaven. The Bible says narrow is the path. Narrow. You know what that means? Not a lot of people's getting in. And the Bible says that wide is the path that leads to destruction, meaning hell. You know what that means? A whole lot more people are going to hell than heaven. That's just the truth of Scripture. It's what the Bible says. And Jesus says, unless you are what? Born again. Not enter back into your mother's womb and be born again. That's disgusting. But you are born of spirit and truth. You must be born again. It's the language we read in the Old Testament, Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 36, it says, I, give you, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statues and carefully observe my ordinances. God tells Ezekiel, I'll give you a new heart. I will remove the heart of stone. You know why it says that? You ever heard the term, they have a heart of stone? That means they have no morals. They have no values. They have no emotions. Sin, darkness, evil doesn't bother them. Jesus says, God says to Ezekiel, when you are called and then justified unto salvation, I will remove that heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you. But this is where you and I come in. But you must follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Although we are called by God, we must walk in that calling. This calling and justification, salvation, is no license for you to sin. It's no license for me to sin. We must walk in faithfulness. We must walk and obey his statutes and his ordinances. Number four, this is the best part. God's elect will never fall away. Never fall away. John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 38. <clears throat> it says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. Praise God. 
Hey, if you've never been encouraged by Scripture, dear Christian, that ought to encourage you. That ought to cause a Baptist to smile at least. Can I read it again? And then you just, when I look up, uh, you just be grinning at me. I mean from ear to ear. You know, like your favorite team won. John chapter 6, verse 38. Y'all ready? (laughs) I don't think you're ready. All right. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Well, Jesus, what did God send you to do? What is that will? That's a good question, Mike. This is the will of him who sent me. Are you ready? That I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. Yeah! Woo! Isn't that good? Praise God for that. Hey, we don't walk in defeat. We walk in victory. Why? Because God has sent Christ to not lose anybody, but only to raise them up from, uh, into life in the last days. Praise God for that. You will never fall away from God's grace. Amen. Praise the Lord, you'll never fall away. In John chapter 10, I'm going to give you another opportunity. The rest of you. John chapter 10. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. Listen, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Amen. Yes. Yes. Praise God for that. No one can snatch us out of God's hand. You know why? Because my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. God's bigger. He's stronger. He's everywhere. He's more powerful. And nothing can snatch you out of the hand of God. Amen? Not the devil, not Satan. Listen to me. Please hear me when I say this. Not even you. Not even you. Because I trust, I believe there's people in this room right now. You believe in your heart that one day you were saved a long time ago. But because of your sin and the actions that you've been living and the life you've been living, you feel like God's walked away from you. And you feel like you're not saved anymore. And you've got doubt in your heart. Well, I'm here to tell you, dear brother, I'm here to tell you, dear sister, no one will snatch them out of my hand, and that includes you. Not your dumb decisions, not your old path that you have etched out in your own life, not following the path of God, not your own sin, not your own wrongdoings. Nothing will snatch you out of the hand of God. Praise God for that. Amen for that. And that they will never fall away. This never fall away is the very definition of eternal life. That's what it means. You will have eternal life. You will not perish. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life. You know what that means? They'll never fall away. They'll never fall away. Now you may fall some. and You may trip up some. But here's one thing you'd be guaranteed of today. You'll never totally fall away. 
R.C. Sproul puts it this way. True Christians can have radical and serious falls, but never total and final falls from grace. Amen? Praise God for that. True Christians can have radical and serious falls. And we've had them, haven't we? You've had them, haven't you? You're in here thinking, I've had a radical fall, man. I have seriously fallen from God's path that he has for me. I have fallen away from my stupid decisions and the things that I've chosen in this life, the things that I've done outside of God's will and God's plan for me, I knew they were wrong. I knew they were ungodly. I knew they were unbiblical. And you have had serious falls. But here's what eternal life means. Though you will have radical and serious falls, you will never have a total and final fall from grace. Amen? How? That's a great question. I want to know how. Because they are saved. You're kept by the power of God. You keep reading the article of faith. What does it say? And they, they will effectually say being kept by the power of God through faith. You're not kept by your own actions. You're not kept by your own strength or your own perseverance. You know what you're kept by? You're kept by God. You're kept by Him, by the power of God. That's who keeps you through faith until the last day. We will never fall away because of the first part of the article of faith, because God called you. You know why you'll never fall away? Because God called you. That's why you'll never fall away. That's why there's no human flesh that can call people unto salvation. Why? Because those, if a human can call you unto salvation, then it's up to me to keep you saved. I can't keep you saved. You can't keep you saved, but God can. That's why God calls. That's why God justifies. That's why God sanctifies. That's why God saves. The only way you are uh, effectually saved until the uh, end of time is because God called you and God keeps you. R.C. Sproul keeps on and says this, The whole purpose of God's election is to bring his people safely to heaven. I love that safely to heaven. Therefore, what he starts, he promises to finish. Amen? He not only initiates the Christian life, but the Holy Spirit is with us as the sanctifier, the convictor, and the helper to ensure our preservation. This endurance in the faith until the end is not resting on our own strength. You don't have to endure until the end on your own strength. Listen, at the time of salvation, we don't tell people this. All right, all right now. Now that you're saved, uh, you're going to have to endure till the end. It's all up to you now. And when you die and go to heaven, then God will take over. No, we don't tell people that, do we? We act like that, though, don't we? We act like it. We'll even preach it. You got to do this, 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 and this. And you got to do that and that and that. Keep that, do this, all this to be saved. God, help us that we would point people to anything uh, to keep their salvation but Christ himself. We don't tell people, well, it's all up to you now. Good luck. I think over the years we have done that. The whole purpose of God calling us is that God keeps us. Even though we are regenerated, we still lapse into sin. We still lapse into serious sin. Listen. Any truly converted Christian is capable of committing the, even the most serious of sins. You know that? 
Even the most committed Christian is capable of committing the most serious of sins. But praise the Lord that he preserves us to the end. Example is David. The Bible says David is a man after God's own heart. He was certainly a regenerate man. He had a passion and a desire for the things of God. But we know that David was capable of the most serious of sins. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was a liar. David fell. And you know what? David fell seriously. But David did not totally fall from grace. You know why? Because David didn't save himself. God did. And there's nothing David can do to rip himself from God. No amount of sin can take you from the hand of God. Amen? You praise God for that? You should. You better. Peter committed treason against the Lord. Publicly denied Christ knowing Jesus three times. Peter fell. Peter fell seriously. But Peter did not totally fall from grace. He was restored. Listen, the reason we'll never fall away is because of what we call the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. Perseverance of the saints. Uh, Baptists love this term. (laughs) We love this phrase, perseverance of the saints. We love this doctrine or biblical teaching. It's easy to fall back on or blurt out when people fall away or when we uh, ourselves fall away. Well, you believe in perseverance of the saints, don't you? Well, absolutely I do. I believe the Bible teaches that. Because those he calls, he justifies. And those he justifies, he sanctifies. You know what that means? They're going to make it to heaven no matter what. That means no matter what that person does in their life, they're going to heaven. Pastor Mike, are you saying that somebody who is truly converted, I mean they're truly a Christian, and 10 years later they commit murder? Are you you saying they're going to heaven? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not saying it. That's what the Bible says. So how, oh, they're going to let murderers into heaven? They'll let you into heaven. What makes your sin any better than theirs? Huh? You're no better. I'm no better. We don't rest on our actions. We don't rest on our love and compassions. To get us into heaven, we rest on Jesus. And we stick to Jesus. There's no license to sin. This idea of perseverance of the saints. Uh, My dad always would say that. My dad never really went to church or anything. He was uh, just lived a sinful life, okay? You know what my dad always say? Well, the Bible says perseverance of the saints, don't it? Don't it, don't it, don't it, don't it, don't it, don't it. I heard it all the time. Don't it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but you got to be saved first. I mean, you got to be a saint first. You can't just claim it in your own life. You got to be saved. Now, are there people who show signs of conversion who are really not? Sure. There's people who show signs of being a converted Christian who are really not saved. Absolutely. Are there people who currently do not show signs of conversion who are actually converted? Yes, there are. Example, the prodigal son. Nobody would look at the prodigal son living in a pigsty and go, he's a Christian. Nobody would do that. But he was, wasn't he? Why? Because God saved him. God saved him. What about you? This is where it's going to get personal. What about you? 
You may be in here going, Pastor Mike, that all sounds great. And you up there hooting and hollering doesn't mean it comforts me at all. I, I, I got saved a long time ago. But the life I've been living, it, it doesn't look like a Christian. I, I haven't been producing good fruit at all. And I just don't feel like I'm saved. What about me? That's a good question. I want to ask you a couple of questions. And I want you to answer these questions truthfully in your heart. Okay? Number one is this. Do you have present trust in Jesus as your Savior? Right now. Don't go back to 20 years ago or last week. I'm talking about right now. Do you have a present trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you say no, that I will beg you this morning to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you say yes, next question, is there evidence of a regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in your heart? Are you being led by the Holy Spirit in paths of righteousness and obedience? Are you? Are you being led by the Holy Spirit right now? Listen to me. This is serious stuff. If we get this wrong, we get eternity wrong. We will end up on the wrong side of eternity. Listen to me when I ask these questions. Are you currently trusting Jesus? Are you being led in passive righteousness of obedience? Are you possessing the character traits of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit? Are you? Is there continued fellowship with the church just as the Holy Spirit has with the Trinity? The last one is this. Do you see a long-term pattern of growth in your Christian life? I can't answer any of those questions for you. You have to answer those on your own. I'm not, I'm not here to cause you to doubt anything. I think what the Bible teaches is that we don't have to worry about salvation when we've placed our trust in Jesus. Listen, I know you may have doubts. But if you are currently trusting in Jesus today, have no fear. Don't doubt that. Trust in it. The devil is the deceiver. He will deceive you into thinking you're saved, okay? Just had that conversation with somebody last week. This is also known as eternal security uh, or preservation of the saints. I like preservation better than perseverance. Perseverance gives the idea that you're straining to make it to the finish line. If I was crazy enough, I'd crawl across the stage looking like I'm straining, but our time would not allow that. You wish I, it would, wouldn't you? But I think when we say we have to persevere, it's as if we're on the last leg of the race and we're crawling on hands and knees just one step at a time. We're trying to, I'm just trying to get to the finish line. That's not what God means when he says you're saved. God has preserved you. You are preserved to the end. Nevertheless, whatever term we may use, listen, we praise the Lord for it. You know why? Because all of this is comforting that we will never fall away. It's comforting. You can't save yourself. That's up to God. You can't sustain yourself. Well, that's up to God. And you can't preserve yourself. That's up to God too. It's almost as if God has set up the system in a way where man has to be totally 
dependent on him. And you know what? That's exactly the way God set it up. To where you have to be totally submitted and totally dependent on the Lord. Can I ask you this? Are you depending on him for your salvation? Are you? Or are you depending on your own works? Are you depending on past experiences or past prayer that you prayed sometime? And you know in your heart, I really don't think I was saved that day. I just, I just prayed a prayer that what they told me to pray. Are you depending on Christ for your salvation? If not, you can do that today, trust in Christ today. You've heard the gospel. That is God calling you unto salvation. Or maybe this, are you depending on God for your preservation of your salvation? Are you depending on God that he will keep you and that he, listen to me, that he will hold you fast no matter what? Let's pray together. Father, Lord, there's people here this morning, including myself, Lord, past sin and past experiences sometimes and oftentimes causes us to doubt our salvation or to, d- to doubt our commitment to you. But Lord, the scriptures teach that those who are saved are kept by you. And God, I'm thankful today that as a Christian, we'll never fall away. Lord, I'm thankful That as a Christian today, there is nothing I can do to send me to hell. Lord, that doesn't mean I can go out and sin and live life like I want to. Because God, if I do that, yes, I'm still saved. But God, you have every right to eliminate me from this world. So Father, may I obey your statutes and your ordinances. Not because I want to look good but out of praise and adoration because you're you're keeping me. That's why we obey you. Lord, I pray for any persons here this morning. They're not saved. They know that. They just believe in their heart. They've had doubt for so long now, and they're not sure. Lord, they can be sure today. Hey, if that's you, we're going to stand and sing in just a moment. We call it an invitation. We're inviting you to Jesus. Come and repent. Trust in Christ today. This is the gospel call. God is calling you to salvation through the proclamation of this gospel. Would you come? Would you answer that call to salvation? Come. Repent of your sins. Trust in Christ today. Are you doubting? Or maybe you're a Christian today and you say, Pastor Mike, I'm saved. I know that. But my life don't look like it. It don't look like I'm saved. But I'm thankful today. But I'll tell you why. Double predestination says that if God predestined some to heaven, he predestined some to hell. It's double predestination. I don't agree with that. Because that says they're both done the same way. Which means God's in the delivery room and that baby goes here and that baby goes to hell. That's what, to me, that's what double predestination says. I don't, I don't think that's the way it happened. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Because it's not God's fault, it's all man's fault of rejection of the gospel. Election to save is a time of rejoicing. Praise to God who is worthy and receives all credit for saving. Reprobation brings God sorrow, not delight. And the blame for the condemnation of sinners is put on those who rebel.
listen, and then I'm going to show you a picture in just a minute. The ground of election is God's grace. The ground uh, of reprobation is God's justice. We all deserve reprobation. And for some reason, God plucked you out. What's your response? For some reason, God plucked you out. Listen, um, so I try to explain this to people, uh, and I tried to find an illustration. I know time is up. I tried to find an illustration. I couldn't find it. So you know what I did? I drew it myself. This is going to be exciting. I drew it myself. I took a picture of it, and I want to show you on the screen. And so here is how I view the doctrine of election. Maybe this will help you out, okay? So we'll look at this picture real fast. Of course it's not. You're clicking on it, it's not working. Ah, come on. Why is it not working? Um, do what? Okay, that's okay. I brought it with me. <laughs> okay, so Dr. Randy back there, will, he'll work on it. But um, here's how I view Dr. This is how I understand it all that way. So God chooses and I don't, but I thought I do have free will to choose. But how does all that work, you know? Okay, so this is how I get by it. Oh, there it is. Yes, isn't that, isn't that beautiful? Boy, I hope I spelled everything right. I don't know. Anyway, all right. So I, I think in our minds, you and I, there's two parallel lines going on in our heart. One parallel line on our left is God's sovereignty. It go, you know, that's God's sovereignty. On the right is man's free will. And, and that your free will to choose and God's sovereignty, and they're parallel. Well, then there's a line going across. That's your understanding, the level of your understanding. You can't, that's the, the max of your understanding. You'll never understand anything beyond that line, Okay. So God's sovereignty and man's free will, right when it gets past the level of your understanding, they intersect somewhere. And I think that's how it all happens. That's the only way I can explain it. God's sovereignty, God, man's, you're trying to, it's a slow clap moment, no, no, no. So God's sovereignty, man's free will to choose, right? And right when it gets past the level of my knowledge of understanding, Right when it gets past that, they intersect up there. And you know where they intersect above that line? They intersect in God's territory. They intersect in God's omniscience. They intersect in God's omnipresence and all-powerful. That's where they intersect. God gets it. I don't. Here's what I do know. I know God is sovereign. I, do, I know that. I do know that man has the ability to repent, believe, or to reject the gospel. I do know that. How all that works, I ain't got a clue. I don't have all that. I know you're thinking, you spent an hour Sunday and an hour tonight, and we're going to end this thing with, I have no idea. You bet your bottom dollar that's how we're going to end it. Uh, but we have to teach both, you know. Uh, and so anyway, um, if, if you would like for me to sign this and we can auction this off later, we'll do that. Uh, listen, I know it's time. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. I know if you've got kids in the water, please run and get those. And uh, Ask for my forgiveness or their forgiveness for me. Um, let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the scriptures, for what they teach. Lord, it's, it's hard. It's, it's uh, difficult to understand. Uh, but, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful that I don't get you. I, I don't understand you. Your ways are not mine. Your thoughts are not mine. You're, you're uh, all-knowing. I'm not. You're all-powerful. I'm not. You're all-ever-present. I'm not. And so, Lord, I, I just have to put my trust in you, and that's, what, that's what's called faith. 
And so, I, Lord, I have faith in you that, God, you do have all, you are sovereign over all things, and that man does have this free will to choose. And, 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 uh, but, Lord, I don't know how all that works out, but here's what I do know. I know that you're good, and I know that you sent Jesus down on the cross for our sins. And I know that your Bible says, your word says, that if man will come to you and repent and believe, uh, that they'll be saved. I know that. And, Lord, I know there's people outside of this room that are the elect. I don't know who they are, but, God, I know you chose them before the foundation of the world. Lord, may I be obedient to the Scriptures to go as many people as I can to witness to them and present the gospel. Lord, and those that receive the gospel, then I guess they're the elect. Those that don't in that moment doesn't mean they're not. It just means at that moment they rejected because, Lord, I rejected many times. Uh, And, Lord, I'm thankful that you drew, drew me closer to you. Lord, we have many issues in our life going on. May this idea, knowing that you're sovereign, Lord, may it help us to grasp onto you even more and stick to the cross even more. Lord, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.